right, so we are getting started with episode 42 of Developers Eating the World, and I am joined with Lavia, uh, who we're going to have an interesting conversation around IT security, which is something that we, we covered. We've covered application security, but we haven't really covered the world of IT security, um, but also talking about building a career in that uh, area because it's super interesting. Before we get started, uh, this is episode 42, so we're approaching episode 50, and creating a podcast is somewhat of a black box. So what I did is I created a survey, and I would love for you to go and complete that survey for me, just some basic questions. It can be 100% anonymous, just to get some feedback, um, and if you all just hate developers in the world, we'll stop it. If you love it, we'll keep doing it. Uh, want to find out what you love about it. Uh, so we can do a better job at producing it. To get to the survey, go to sweetcode.io slash survey. Sweetcode.io slash survey. All right, let's begin. Security. <laughs> so why don't you first uh, just introduce yourself and, and then we'll talk about you know how you got into the world of security. Okay. Uh, my name is Lavia Nahari. I live in Denver, Colorado. Um, I have uh, just recently made a huge pivot career-wise, and I, I completed a 12-week um, boot camp to move my career uh, over to cybersecurity. I've spent this summer job hunting. Wow, at a, at a crazy-ass time to be, be job hunting. So as listeners of this podcast know, I love the pivot. It's, uh, I have plenty of episodes that talk about the pivot. First thing I'm curious about is what was the catalyst? Like, why? Why did you decide to get into cyber? I, so I've been in education for my whole career, not as a teacher, but as a college counselor and helping high school students find their way to college and find their way to studying and, and moving into careers that they're going to love. It's been a very rewarding career, um, but it got to the point six years ago or so that I started to feel like I wasn't being challenged by it anymore. About four years ago, went and did a coding boot camp in Seattle. Um, and I loved it. And I loved learning the HTML and I loved learning the CSS script and all of that business. But something about that, the, 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 the day in and day out of that career just didn't feel like it was exactly the right thing for me. So I put that techie interest on hold for a few more years. And I had the opportunity this fall again to think about it again and look into it a little bit more. Someone suggested to me, hey, how about cybersecurity? And I, and being the college counselor that I was, I, you know, went and researched the field, the job projections, the growth, the ease, difficulty in which to get in, the kind of degrees or certificates, all of that stuff, that's what my college counseling brain would do. So I, I looked at it all and I'm like, this seems like a pretty, this is a no-brainer. This is like, this is where we need to be right now. And so I um, looked around at different programs 
short and long, all of that business. And just as I was about to begin what was, should have been an in-person, day-in, day-out boot camp, in-person, on a campus for 12 weeks, um, COVID hit. And the stay at home happened. And all of us, students and teachers and admin and everybody, we had to make that change from, okay, so no one's ever going to meet in person. We're just going to do this all online and we'll figure it out as we go through it. So that's what I did. And I finished it in June, graduated in June and started my, my job searching. And what was the, the platform that you got trained on? Uh, as a hunt analyst, so uh, the school that I went to, SecureSet, has two tracks, hunt and core. Core is more engineering related. So if you really want to delve into numbers, algorithms, and things like that, you know, you're probably going to enjoy core more. Hunt is I think more behavioral science based, not without the science, but with that psychological component in terms of threat hunting, um, looking for the bad guys, keeping people safe, building awareness, understanding threat intelligence from a military perspective. Um, So a humanities type mind with just a willingness to learn science and math, you're going to be good. Well, I mean, a large portion of attacks and certainly the attack surface for companies is the human, right? Yeah, that's what everybody's saying. Yeah, yeah. Because humans are the easiest to exploit. We don't want to believe that, but it's absolutely true. You know, and I have a a pretty deep background in counseling and consulting that all stems from behavioral sciences. So I I really felt like that's where my strengths would lie. And, And I wanted to be able to carry something over from my previous work into my new work. And it's this sort of consultative understanding how people think how to how to relate to people how to explain things to people so you're not the first one to come from an education background that i've interviewed episode 35 with david sudia he also came from an education background and i there is a correlation there there's no doubt but one of the things that has showed up in all the episodes we've had that has been kind of about career development Mm-hmm. Is this element of grit, like not being afraid of of doing something that right now seems just utterly confusing? That that happens in my life quite often. That happened when I had a job offer in Istanbul, and I didn't have a job offer in the U.S. And it was just like, okay, what the heck? Let's just jump and see what happens. And you know, grit's an interesting thing. I don't think you can overthink grit and then begin to do it. It's when you overthink, I don't know. It just has to be a thing that you jump in and do. That leads to the question, is it is it a personality trait or is it a skill? I think it begins as a trait. 
like, what is your fear factor? So I definitely have a fear factor, you know, like. Which is funny because you went into the industry that is kind of (laughs) anti-fear. You know, the, 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 the tolerance for risk in cyber is extremely low. I'll, I'll have to say that. You can't be in cybersecurity and not assess risk. I mean, that's what you're you're there to to prevent and you know to to shore up your systems against and learn from and all of that business. Well, certainly hackers don't have the the they're not risk averse. Uh, the most recent attack on Twitter, which was huge, you know, yeah. uh, exploiting key accounts. And using them to collect Bitcoin, which he didn't actually collect as much as I expected him to, which started with the social element, as I understand it, where with the employees at Twitter and getting access to a specific tool. It wasn't some magic uh, coding necessarily that happened. But if you want to meet the hackers where they are, they have grit also. Right, right. So I would say that, you know, it's not... It's not a risk-averse profession. It's a risk-aware profession. It's a, you know, awareness and manipulation of risk. It's not. It's not so much a hitting buttons and saying, "Oh, let's see what happens here." It's like more calculated than that. I'd say it's full of risk. You know, so much of what I learned in terms of threat intelligence and analysis and strategy and all that it comes straight out of the military books yeah no i think that's fair i think uh it changes my opinion a little bit it's like you said it's more risk aware than necessarily avoiding risk rethinking episode 40 with anna i could see the same conclusion coming she had a point where you, where she said you you have to be a bit paranoid but paranoia is really based in awareness there's a healthy side to that yeah yeah so let's get into the tech side of it uh i'm not a cyber expert by any means i i i understand i, I understand the threat landscape fairly well i don't understand the strategies for for approaching the bad guy and addressing an incident. What in the tech have you enjoyed the most? I think the moments I've enjoyed the most have been where I just kind of like jump ship and done my own thing. I've learned a lot. And then I get to this point where I'm like, okay, I'm done listening to lectures. I just need to go and play with something. Like I, I really hope that I can work in the profession in a to a degree where I'm working technically but I also have a lot of interface with people because I think one of the strengths that I bring to the table here is um, being able to explain concepts to people that don't have a technical background so I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the opportunities that I've been able to communicate whether it was you know, uh, being the team lead on my capstone project and having to explain like everything that we did to to secure this fake company and fix this fake situation and all that to, you know, doing threat analysis uh, 
um, papers with my classmates and presentations and things like that. So I've enjoyed like taking what I've learned and relaying it to other people so they could understand what we did. You know, a key element of cybersecurity is, you know, addressing the weakest link. And the weakest link very often is just the desktop user who doesn't understand the ways that they could be exploited. Uh, they are a vulnerability. Although I've seen many cases where the most technical person out there who insists that they can never be exploited gets exploited. That the weakest link is is us. You know, and it, it we can be, we could be, <laughs> it's not just people that are ignorant of how to use the internet. It's all of us, you know, it's social engineering. How are you going to play into somebody's sympathies, weak points, uh, interests, you know, on, on, on Facebook? I like to look at clothing online. So Facebook's figured that out and Facebook puts these ads on there that are really enticing for me to click on, to look at some really cool something or other that, you know, I might want to wear. And so it's, it's the, it's this social engineering element, this very first point before you do any kind of attack is figuring out what the weak point is who you want to attack. I've never drawn this correlation before, but if we could just get all hackers to be marketers, because all There's marketing is, is persona development. There right? is such an incredible correlation. Like, and, and I, I found that there was a day in my bootcamp program where I had that revelation right there. And I'm like, this is marketing, you know, cause I studied, I was a communications major in college. Um, I've done marketing to some degree in some of my old, um, my old jobs. Um, this is marketing. Yeah, totally. But just a little more devious than that. Right. You know? It is. We are our worst enemy when it comes to breaches and attacks and all of that. And it doesn't matter how smart we are or how, um, adept we are at using our computers or the internet or something, all of us on all levels, we can be manipulated and we're human. So we can be manipulated if, and that's all it takes. And that opens the door, just a little crack. And that's enough for someone to sneak in. Yeah. That level of introspection. I think a lot of people miss uh, a lot of the people that are in the top news these days are, are clearly missing the fact that they, they, don't realize that they can be manipulated. So let's talk a little bit about your tool set, your stack. You know, what what sort of tools do you use? Because uh, I think a lot of people don't realize this. There's actual tool sets available for this. What sort of tools do you use and did you get started with when you started learning cyber? Sort of by default, I'm kind of becoming, I hope, a little bit of a jack of all trades in terms of what platform I can work on because when I started the the boot camp and I really didn't know anything I just went with what they told me to get you know the kind of computer they told me to get the kind of VM I should download into the computer that kind of thing so I started with um, an Oracle VM um, 
then I was learning some Python in there and learning to do, uh, you know, some network attacks, man in the middle, things like that, Wireshark, all of that in that. For various other reasons, I ended up with a, a new computer. And this new computer had Windows 10 Pro on it. That comes with a Hyper-V. I decided one day out of frustration with the Oracle VM to start messing around with the Hyper-V and see what that could do. And it just blew my mind how much more, how much less frustrating it was, how much more pleasant my evening was with the Hyper-V than it ever had been with the Oracle VM. So I converted everything over, everything that I had to do for class, I converted it over to the to the Hyper-V and I put Ubuntu on there, I put Kali Linux on there, put my Wireshark on there, all of this stuff. I just, I was like, okay, fine. I don't need this Oracle one anymore. And I just went with Hyper-V. But then just yesterday I resurrected another laptop that I had because I've been curious about VMware and I wanted to see what that interface was like. So I've kind of had the range of VM, the free open source VM. I got the Hyper-V. I got the VMware. I got different um, programs on different ones. Ubuntu, Kali Linux, Wireshark, Tails now, uh, Windows. And you're lucky you missed the early days of Hyper-V because it wasn't as you describe it now. <laughs> they were they were definitely not the easy to use uh, hypervisor. They they've become very user friendly. I was so stunned how quickly I had my Hyper V up and running. I put um uh I put portainers. I, I built a portainer in my Hyper V. What's uh, uh, it's like a, it's like a container within a container Docker. I put Docker in there and then I built the portainer inside Docker. So I have like a computer and a computer and a computer, which is just blows my mind. Yeah. When, about. At that level, you have four, four layers. Yeah. The level but, of abstraction is crazy. It is not having everything just up front on your host machine laptop you know like to save that for real life you know and then you go into the virtual world one level for, for shopping world. facebook for clothing <laughs> <laughs> right or shopping yes so you're about to start a new role which is very exciting uh, can you describe a little bit about what you're going to be doing yeah i was lucky during this age of COVID and stay at home to uh, go through this, all of my schooling, all of my job searching, all of my job interviewing, and get a job offer without ever having met anybody face to face. I got a job offer with a great company here in Denver. Um, I'm going to start in a couple of weeks as a uh, senior uh, security analyst, and I'm going to be doing a lot of threat hunting work, uh, probably doing uh, some network monitoring and load balancing, lots of interface with the client, 
regular updates on threats and whatnot that I've detected through my monitoring and kind of assigning levels of importance to what I've seen. That's really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, as you said, I couldn't even imagine being on a job. I feel very fortunate right now that I'm not currently in a job hunt. Uh, and I think about it a lot and I can't imagine how difficult that is the interview process, everything, especially when you're starting just net new in a whole new industry. You have to have drives and it's certainly been a roller coaster. One day up, one day down, um, you know, the, the, the let the feeling of, of let down when you get a thanks but no thanks letter that's still the same whether it whether it's the time of covid or or not that's true it pulls you down you got to find your way back up again you know to resurface and be good for for whatever's coming next you know in addition to that you have to think about this this platform here in which we have to operate and you have to think about all these factors that go into a job search in general and how are they different now that you know our world is here our world is cyber at the moment we're operating in this cyber venue and there's no chance really little chance to be in a out in the world meeting people so you have to think about like how you present yourself online you have to think about how you communicate in a written form you have to be comfortable opening your video in a zoom chat and talking to somebody there's a large percentage of an impression that someone's going to get from you if they can just see your facial expressions. So yes, you have to take the time, put on a nice shirt, wash your hair. Damn it. I didn't do either of those today. Although (laughs) I have a NASA shirt on, but I didn't wash my hair. (laughs) (laughs) You can't be lazy about it just because you're operating from home. In some ways you have to be even more diligent about making sure that you get the impression across of yourself that you want someone to have of yourself. No matter what, there's an element of being comfortable with being uncomfortable, which in tech is is kind of a uh, par for the course. Very much so. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, it's it's fine to feel uncomfortable. How, why am I feeling? What, what's making me feel uncomfortable? Why don't I want to open my Zoom screen? Oh, okay. Let me deal with that. Let me make sure that that's a factor, you know, address the uncomfortable. Yeah, there's going to be uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean that you can't address it. You can you can't name it. You can't do something about it and then move forward. Which is all good advice. Grit, grit in introspection. Every techie needs to take that seriously, especially in such a competitive job market. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks for joining me. want to remind the listeners, please go to sweetcode.io forward slash survey. 
so I can have some feedback to understand if what people are actually thinking about the podcast and how to drive its direction in the future. Hopefully so by episode 50, I know exactly what I'm doing. Now, most of my guests get to escape me after the episode, but you do not get to because we are on a committee together to host a, what is a virtual event, but it's regionally focused here in the Denver area, DevSecOps Days. That's what it's called, right? Uh, Definitely took on more than I could chew with that. So sorry that you still have to deal with me even after this. No worries. I'm impressed with, you have such a handle on it already. And I'm excited to, to be able to get involved in this, both for my growth and what I think I can contribute and also because I really like the idea of giving the SEC part of DevSecOps a little more of a, of a voice and a presence. The, the, love, the love that it needs because those developers like to create problems. Yeah. So I'm excited for all those reasons to be on the committee with you. <laughs>